Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, did you know that I've created just for you a massive collection of freebies that includes my Do Something book. It's a no BS guide for anyone who wants to stop wasting their time today. There's also the Fabulous Day Cheat Sheet, the 25 Ways to Make Your Life Instantly Better Guide. I've also included a 12-month habit tracker template, the Abundant Mindset Guide. There's also the fantastic Your Future Self Workbook. It's a workbook designed to bring your future self to life. And finally, the Vent and Move On Workbook. It's a workbook I designed to help you resolve any issue. Right now, all these freebies are sitting inside my secret library, which you can sign up and access via dreambigmyfriend.com forward slash freebies. That's forward slash freebies. There is honestly so much goodness there. Now it's time to dive into today's episode. Hello, my friends. This is Francis Vitakovic, and you are listening to the Dream Big My Friend podcast. Today's episode is all about the science of getting rich. And this is a little bit of a sharing is caring episode because I'm going to be sharing with you this amazing new book that I have just discovered. Now, I should probably say that I have read thousands of books in my life. Like, I can't even count all the amazing books that have contributed to my personal growth. And yet, somehow, this particular book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles, was a book that I had never picked up. I, like, Like I said, this book was published in 1910 and I am someone who read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill back when I was in my 20s. So I love books to do with mindset. I love those old school books that just give you some old school wisdom. But like I said, I'd never read The Science of Getting Rich. I've just discovered it. And the reason I'm going to be talking about it with you today is because it is so easy for you to access. So this is a book that's in the public domain. So you're probably wondering what that means, that the public domain is literally a space where no intellectual properties exist, which means that there's a good chance you're going to find this book for free online to read. So literally, if you Google The Science of Getting Rich PDF, you should be able to find it and read it without having to pay a single cent. So what I'm going to be sharing with you in today's episode is the second chapter of this book, which is titled, There is a Science of Getting Rich. And then I'm going to encourage you to go out and read the book yourself. And like I said, it is so easy to find online. Like the full length version, I think is like no more than 70 pages. So let's just dig into this. And this is in the words of Wallace D. Waddles. He said, there is a science of getting rich and it is an exact science like algebra or arithmetic. There are certain laws which govern the process of acquiring riches. Once these laws are learned and obeyed by any man, he will get rich with mathematical certainty. The ownership of money and property comes as a result of doing things in a certain way. And those who do things in this certain way, whether on purpose or accident, get rich. While those who do not do things in this certain way, no matter how hard they work or how able they are, remain poor. It is a natural law that like causes always produce like effects. And therefore, any man or woman who learns to do things in this way will infallibly get rich. That this above statement is true is shown by the following facts. Getting rich is not a matter of environment, for if it were, all the people in certain neighborhoods would become wealthy, and the people of one city would all be rich, while those of other towns would all be poor, or the inhabitants of one state would roll in wealth, while those of adjoining state would be in poverty. But everywhere we see rich and poor living side by side, in the same environment, and often engaged in the same vocations, when two men are in the same locality and in the same business, and one gets rich while the other remains poor, it shows that getting rich is not primarily a matter of environment. 
Some environments may be more favorable than others, but when two men are in the same business and are in the same neighborhood and one gets rich while the other fails, it indicates that getting rich is a result of doing things in a certain way. And further, the ability to do things in a certain way is not due solely to the possession of talent. For many people who have great talent remain poor, while others who have little talent get rich. Studying the people who've got rich, we find that they are average lot in all respects, having no greater talents and abilities than other men. It is evident that they do not get rich because they possess talents and abilities that other men don't have, but because they happen to do things in a certain way. Getting rich is not the result of saving or thrift because many frugal people are poor while free spenders often get rich. Nor is getting rich due to doing things that others fail to do. For two men in the same business often do almost exactly the same things and one gets rich while the other remains poor or becomes bankrupt. From all these things, we must come to the conclusion that getting rich is the result of doing things in a certain way. And if getting rich is a result of doing things in a certain way, and if like causes always produce like effects, then any man or woman who can do things in that way can become rich. And the whole matter is brought within the domain of exact science. The question arises here whether this certain way may not be so difficult that only a few may follow it. But this cannot be true as we have seen so far as natural ability is concerned. Talented people get rich and blockheads get rich. Intellectually brilliant people get rich and yet very stupid people also get rich. Physically strong people get rich and the weak and sickly people also get rich. Some degree of ability to think and understand is of course essential but insofar as natural ability is concerned any man or woman who has sense enough to read and understand these words can certainly get rich. Also, we have seen that it's not a matter of environment. Location counts for something. One would not go to the heart of Sahara and expect to successfully start a business. Getting rich instead involves the necessity of dealing with men and of being where there are people to deal with. And if these people are inclined to deal with you in a way that you want to deal, so much the better. But that is about as far as the environment goes. If anyone else in your town can get rich, so can you. And if anyone else in your state can get rich, so can you. Again, it is not a matter of choosing some particular business or profession. People get rich in every business and in every profession, while the next door neighbors in the exact same vocation can remain in poverty. It is true that you will do the best in a business which you like and which is congenial to you. And if you have certain talents which are well developed, you will do best in a business that calls for the exercise of those talents. Also, you will do best in a business which is suited to your locality. An ice cream parlor would certainly do better in a warm climate than in Greenland, and a salmon fishery will succeed better in the northwest than in Florida, where there are no salmon. But aside from these general limitations, getting rich is not dependent on your engaging in some particular business, but upon your learning to do things in a certain way. And if you are now in business and anyone else in your locality is getting rich in the same business while you are not getting rich, it is because you are not doing things in the same way that the other person is doing them. No one is prevented from getting rich by lack of capital. True, as you get capital, that increase becomes more easy and rapid. But one who has capital is already rich and does not need to consider how to become so. No matter how poor you may be, if you begin to do things in a certain way, you will begin to get rich and you will begin to have capital. The getting of capital is part of the process of getting rich and it is part of the result that invariably follows the doing of things in a certain way. You may be the poorest man in the continent and be deeply in debt. You may have no friends, influence or resources, but if you begin to do things in a certain way, you must infallibly begin to get rich. For like causes must produce like effects. And if you have no capital, you can get capital. If you're in the wrong business, you can get into the right business. And if you are in the wrong location, you can go to the right location and you can do so by beginning in your present business and in your present location to do things in a certain way, which causes success. Now, the reason that I absolutely love these words is that Wallace was telling us that no matter where you are right now in life, 
you have the ability to produce a successful business, a successful life. You really do. And I'm sure as you go on throughout the book, you'll discover that when he talks about doing things in a certain way, it all definitely comes back to mindset. And he was speaking about this back in 1910. So if you're listening to this episode and you're going, well, I don't want to be rich. I just want to refer to some of the words that Wallace wrote in chapter one, which is the right to be rich. And he wrote this, there is nothing wrong with wanting to get rich. The desire for riches is really the desire for a richer, fuller, and more abundant life. And that desire is praiseworthy. The man who does not desire to live more abundantly is abnormal. And so the man who does not desire to have money enough to buy all that he wants is abnormal. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with the word abnormal, but let's move on. There are three motives for which we live. We live for the body, we live for the mind, and we live for the soul. And no one of these is better or holy than the other. All are alike desirable, and none of the three, body, mind, or soul, can live fully if either of the others is cut short of full life and expression. It is not right or noble to live only for the soul and deny mind or body, and it is wrong to live for the intellect and deny body and soul. We are all acquainted with the loads and consequences of living for the body and denying the mind and soul, and we can see the real life means the complete expression of all that a man can give forth through the body, mind, and soul. Whatever he can say, no man can really be happy or satisfied until his body is living fully in every function and unless the same is true of his mind and soul. Whenever there is unexpressed possibility or the function is not performed, there is unsatisfied desire. Desire is possibility seeking expression or function seeking performance. And man cannot live fully in a body without good food, comfortable clothing and warm shelter and without the freedom from excessive toil. Rest and recreation are also necessary to his physical life. He cannot live fully in mind without books and time to study them, without the opportunity for travel and observation or without intellectual companionship. To live fully in mind, he must have intellectual recreations and must surround himself with all the objects of art and beauty that he is capable of using and appreciating. To live fully in soul, man must have love, and love is denied expression by poverty. A man's highest happiness is found in the bestowal of benefits upon those he loves. Love finds its most natural and spontaneous expression in giving. The man who has nothing to give cannot fill his place as a husband or father, as a citizen, or as a man. It is the use of these material things that he finds full life for his body, develops his mind, and unfolds his soul. It is therefore of supreme importance to him that he should be rich. It is perfectly right that you should desire to be rich. If you're a normal man or woman, you cannot help but doing so. It is perfectly right that you should give your best attention to the science of getting rich for it's the noblest and most necessary of all studies. And if you neglect this study, you're derelict in your duty to yourself, to God and humanity. For you can render to God and humanity no greater service than to make the most of yourself. Now, I have to say, these are the words by Wallace D. Bottles. It's not something that I wrote myself. And like I said, you can find this book online for free. This book is in the public domain, which means it should be freely available and easy to find. Now, the reason that I wanted to have a conversation about this book, not only because it's interesting reading, it's very old school, but I feel like there were lots of light bulbs going off for me. And number one was this desire to have more riches in your life. I think that for so many of us, when we hear this like, God, we want to be rich, like we assume that the person must be greedy, that they must be quite shallow or superficial, when in fact, I feel like Wallace put down a really good point or an argument for why there's nothing wrong with wanting to have more in your life so that you can give more to others and so that you can reach your own potential. So if you are interested in reading this book, go and search it out. I've just shared with you the little tidbits from the beginning. It's a really super short, sweet book. I love the fact that I'm just discovering it right now because it's like there's so many pearls of wisdom in there. Not that I necessarily agree with everything that he talks about, but he really does hone in on the importance of your mindset. That's what you're going to discover. And that's what so many people in the personal development industry are focused on right now. 
is making sure that you understand, like you who are listening to this episode today, as long as you understand the importance of your mindset and it has the ability to create riches in your life in whatever form you desire, and it has the ability to set you free. So if you feel like you're struggling in your life in some way, look at the thoughts that you're having, look at your mindset. You do not want to be your own worst enemy. And I feel like so many of us don't realize that all the limitations that we feel we have in life, all the things that we feel like we can't do, are just thoughts that we decided to think and we can change those thoughts. It really is that simple. Like you've got to start with acknowledging that your thoughts may need some attention and may need to be like guided into a more positive direction because your thoughts ultimately do create your life for you. So my friend, I hope you've enjoyed this very short and sweet episode. If you're interested in reading more of this very short book, go out and search for it online. It is super easy to find. I read through it in one night. I found it really interesting. And if anything, it might just make you change the way that you think about your potential and what you can create in this one amazing life that you are so blessed to have. So as always, my friends, thank you so much for being here with me. I love and appreciate you all. And I can't wait to catch you in the next episode. Until then, dream big, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com, where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.